It's Tuesday, November 6, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Chennai, India. Well, recently, I had the opportunity to sit down with Anita Butcher of the Church of Brook Hills and Tracy Newell to talk about what it looked like for the local church to be engaged in orphan care and vulnerable children ministry. So I am completely honored to be here with Anita Butcher and Tracy Newell, and we are going to talk today about local church engagement. And Anita is at the Church of Brook Hills, where she has served the pastoral team so well and so faithfully. But as she was serving the pastoral team in 2009, she got an unexpected blessing laid at her feet uh, when she was also tapped to lead the orphan care ministry at the Church of Brook Hills. And many of you may know Anita because you've called her to ask for advice. I know that when anyone asks me, what's a local church that's caring well for foster families, adopted families, and really doing a good job in the space, I say, you need to call Anita Butcher. You know, a lot of, I say this, and she's getting read already as I say it, but a lot of people look at the ministry of David Platt, which was so powerful to get this started, but the longevity of the foster care and adoption ministry at Brook Hills has been because of the faithfulness of Anita and the team around her. So I know that she would want to, to say it's not a one lady job, but certainly she has been used by God in so many faithful ways. And then of course, my little sister, Tracy Newell, uh, who is here and Tracy oversees our Families Count program and so many of our initiatives domestically and also really is about equipping the local church to do a lot of these initiatives. So Tracy, let's start with you. Why is local church engagement so vital to orphan care, foster care, and adoption ministry? Well, Herbie, for a number of reasons, but we look at scripture and we see how God has designed the church. Unlike any other place in the world, The church is uniquely equipped by God's Spirit and the manifestation of His Holy Spirit in His body is the different giftings He gives us. And all of those gifts are useful to a lost world and in our local respective communities. So if anyone is going to do orphan or foster care or ministry to vulnerable children and families, it has to be the church because we are equipped by the Spirit to do that kind of outreach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know that you like to tell a story as well about the start of Families Count, and you always will say that you came to me and I said, Tracy, you're not going to teach it. It's going to be the local church. But I know we believe that because the local church is the body of Christ. And no matter what happens culturally, no matter what happens politically, in some form and semblance, the local church will be there. And we can go anywhere around the world to the most persecuted nations where Christians are being persecuted, and you're going to find the local church. It may be in one or two believers gathering together, but it's going to be there. You know, organizations, nonprofits, they're going to go away. Ministries will disappear, but the local church will always be there. And so, Anita, let's let's talk about what does successful orphan and vulnerable children care and ministry look like in the local church? Okay, I mean, first, it, on top of what Tracy has said, it's an acknowledgement of the church that God has called his mm-hmm. church 
to care for orphans and vulnerable children and the embracing of that truth and living it out mm -hmm. in everything they do. So in their decision-making as part of the church, mm -hmm. how they structure themselves, how they minister to the local community. Um, I think it also involves not just the equipping of the families who are going to foster mm -hmm. or they're going to be safe homes or they're going to adopt or they're going to be out there in the community working with vulnerable children, but also equipping the people who are in the Sunday school classes, mm -hmm. the small groups, the preschool workers, the children mm -hmm. and student workers, so that they can best not just embody Christ, but they can best nurture and love and include the children who come in who have come from hard places, is a phrase we use, but for kids who've been traumatized, mm -hmm. and that they are well-equipped so they can love generously mm -hmm. and fully, knowing that they are reaching and giving that child another trusting relationship, which is so critical. And I think lastly, it's where the church reaches out to the agencies in the community, um, and they link arms. And that's with state agencies, as well as where we are so incredibly blessed to have a Christian agency like Lifeline. Um, but the, we link arms to work alongside them and to even influence and impact them for the, you know, with the gospel in the way that we serve from the church. Amen. And so, you know, shameless plug, I go to the church at Brook Hills where Anita is. And, you know, one of the things that I've even seen, and this is why I just, I love what Anita does in the background. So many people, I think even our church don't realize, but I teach a eighth grade small group and five children in our small group are adopted. And so, but to see the way that they have been integrated and two, with pretty severe special needs and how they've been integrated into our eighth grade group is just so humbling. And to see even how the other kids in that class interact with them because it's become a part of our DNA. And so it's the inclusion to these children when they were living in orphanages or when they were in foster care would have never had. They have this inclusion in the body of Christ, right. which which shows the gospel to them. Absolutely. And then we preach the gospel to them. So I know that at Burke Kills, we are delighted to be able to partner with the state and I have seen mm -hmm. the way that the state has been ministered to I remember after the hurricane or the tornado came through several years ago our church was front lines caring for the social workers mm -hmm. at DHR and what a gospel driven ethic that's shown but then also Alabama Baptist Children's Home and, mm -hmm. and Lifeline yeah. so talk about uh, how Brook Hills does partner with Lifeline and why Brook Hills chooses to partner with Lifeline and Alabama Baptist Children's Home in the state okay First and foremost, the reason we choose to partner is because the gospel is at the center of everything you do at Lifeline, as right. it is at Alabama Baptist. Um, and we love the holistic approach you take. Mm -hmm. You love the children in foster care. You love the children who are orphans in an orphanage mm -hmm. or a, a group home. You love the bio families. You love mm -hmm. the foster parents. You love the judges, the GALs, the social workers. You truly look at the whole picture, mm. and to the best of your ability, you have found ways to minister mm. across the board mm -hmm. to those. And so we love getting partnered with that because we know it's not just about giving a child a safe place mm -hmm. where they can have three meals a day and a bed and a bedtime story. Mm. It is about life transformation, mm -hmm. and we know that it's a system-wide impact that we're looking for. And um, also, I love the heart of the staff at Lifeline. Mm -hmm. It's just, 
I mean, just being in Tracy's presence is you can, <laughs> I mean, you just can't sit with her and not be blessed mm -hmm. because her heart shows on her face. Mm -hmm. And when I walk in these hallways of your office and I see that it is God's presence mm -hmm. in the lives of the people on staff here and how you love each other and how you love your partners and how you love the church and equipping the church and encouraging the church. I mean, there's just no way that we would want to partner with, you know, with anyone else because that is the picture God wants mm. the world to see mm. is that we are a community of faith and our life looks different. Mm. So, so that's the, as to how we do it, obviously there are a number of ways. We, um, first is in equipping and training of parents, whether we open our doors to classes for you to come facilitate or we recruit parents or we bring treats mm. and snacks. <laughs> um, from the rap ministry, it's just the ability to hear from you about families you have that have needs so that we can come around them and help support them. It's um, working in Liberia with the unadopted program, getting to send a team over there where we not only had the opportunity to love on orphans, but we also got to speak into pastoral leadership at the church mm -hmm. and encourage them that you are the avenue that the Lord wants to use and you have, as Tracy says, God has empowered you in a way that you can change the lives of these, these little ones, but also working with the directors of the orphanages to help them see that the children in their care are not a task. They're not a to-do list. They are a little person, and to encourage them with family, to see each other's family. They are family once they come together. And so getting to do that has just been... I don't know, it's, just, it's hard to even describe how wonderful it is to have the opportunity to serve the orphan and vulnerable child here in Birmingham, mm -hmm. right here in 35242, but to also be able mm -hmm. to partner with you and go around the globe mm -hmm. and know that those same values, mm -hmm. that same Christ, that same equipping is mm -hmm. going to go with us to reach them as well. Amen. Well, that's encouraging to hear because we are always asking our staff, how can we make the church the hero uh, because ultimately, if the bride of Christ is a hero, then Christ is mm -hmm. exalted. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, we're constantly looking sometimes at the discomfort of our staff. How can we allow the church to shine in this moment? And, uh, but it's, it stretches that because I think ultimately, like we're talking about, I loved even in 2009 sitting with you and other leadership at Brook Hills and seeing the ability to even reach out to the state system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I say this a lot, but... God's design was for the church to care for the orphan and the vulnerable child. That's right. That's but right. when we stopped doing that, the state had to come in. And right. so we can't go by force and take something away, but we've got to lovingly show that partnership. And that's one of the encouraging things I see from Brook Hills. And now other churches as well yes. is the way they're loving on state government. So talk a little bit, Anita, just about what are these, what do these things look like and how has Brook Hills kind of gone the extra mile in some of these areas like foster care. Okay. In foster care, we try to obviously love our families well. We want to support them so that they have the ability to sustain, mm. to remain in foster care. And we know that it's a very lonely, mm. isolating journey sometimes. And so we try to make sure we, working through this RAP ministry, which was actually started by Focus on the Family for Adoptive mm. Families, but through some friends of ours, um, they were able to morph it, so mm -hmm. to speak. So it worked. We set it up to mm -hmm. work for foster families. 
we are able to provide a community that's sort of matched and dedicated to each of the foster families to pray for them, to provide relief care, babysitting, to do acts of service, meals, help with tutoring or birthday parties and such, and just encourage them through the word, promises of God and, and notes and such. And that's been wonderful because it's impacted both parties in such big ways. The foster families do truly feel loved. They feel like they're not on this journey by themselves. And they have, they tell us that they are continuing because they know the church has come around them. But it's really been neat to watch our rappers, our volunteers, who have started this in very non-intimidating ways. So it's easy for them to step up and bring a meal or bring some diapers or come over and play for a play date. But then they say, I had no idea what foster care was. So this has introduced the rest of our faith family to the, to the world yes. of foster care. And they're, not, they're finding, I can do this. I had no idea that it would be so easy to love and impact. And I tell our families that part of the reason we want the community involved is the, the goal for foster care, as we know, is reunification. And we are all for that. But we also know that we really have no control over when that happens or how that happens or really where those children may end up. So we only have control over while they're in our home. And so what we want to do, we want the children, we want their parents, we want the GALs and judges to see, again, Christ's community is different. And so the more people, not to be overwhelming, but the more people we can appropriately bring into a child's life while they're in foster care, the more that child is going to see the characters of Christ, the characters of the Father in this community known as, quote, the church, so that when they go back home, whether they ever see that in their home, they will see that in their school teachers, in their soccer coach, in the pharmacist at the drugstore, in the clerk at the grocery store. I'm convinced that God will use all of those touch points to say, look, do you see me in this person? And they will, they will go back with a vision of the world of, of the church is different than the world that I live in. And so it's, it's an impact. Again, it's much bigger than just a little bit that we're doing right. through, you know, through meals and playtimes and, and goodie baskets for court dates. But uh, it's, it's to impact lives mm -hmm. and to show them Christ, mm -hmm. absolutely show them Christ. Yeah, I would love to build on that because the effect on CPS, Child Protective Service Workers, mm -hmm. it can be pretty profound and a very specific example of how the church was used by the Lord recently here in the Birmingham community was Lifeline hosted a two-week state training. And so social workers from around our state and these two state employees who were the instructors for the training came into our building and I mean, it was eight hours of training most days. So I ended up coordinating that training. I knew that they would need refreshment just to sustain them during those long days of training. And Anita, it did not really occur to me, let me go to Herbie or to my supervisor at Lifeline to get permission for Lifeline to provide the snacks. I knew let me go to the local church and to Brook Hills. So I reached out to you and asked, Anita, 
Would Brook Hills and your foster care community there supply snacks for this two weeks of training? And without hesitation, you asked what dates, when, where. For two weeks, you came in. And it wasn't just, you know, processed snacks from the local grocery <laughs> store. It was home-baked brownies and just really neat desserts and packaged with love. And at the end of that training, guys, those two state instructors came up to me and said, Tracy, we were just treated so well. And the church had such a huge part in that. And then they said, this is not the way that we are normally treated. Mm -hmm. So even the Lord's just revealing the hospitality of his church right. in that simple example. It's pretty profound. It is. It is. And it's our joy mm -hmm. to get to do that. Yeah. And to see that these are the workers, too, that are going to be working with these children. And we show them the grace, the mercy, and the gospel of Christ. And the prayer is that these CPS workers will come to saving faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's different ways to influence these children. I love what you're saying about pharmacists in mm -hmm. the community to really help these kids see God's common grace yes. that's everywhere around them uh, to understand that it's God that is sovereign that's orchestrating all of this uh, to reach their hearts. And so yes. we pray that their hearts are reached. So, you know, Tracy, talk a little bit. So Anita touched a little bit on family restoration because that's the goal of foster care, to get these kids back reunified. And you had this heart for <laughs> we've got to train these families. We've got to come in and teach these families so that they're prepared. And now it's being done through local churches. Why is the local church so important in making a difference in the lives of these families and children? Yeah, well, and you you guys need to hear the full story. Um, actually, the Lord had burned the hearts of our staff. Kirby, we were just very like-minded, all of us working in foster care. And I really believe that God gave us and is giving us a supernatural love for these moms and dads who are desperately trying through addiction and other circumstances and choices to, to restore their families. They just can't do it without Jesus. And so years ago, I was at a speaking event and was just talking about the goal of foster care being reunification. And at the end, a young man came up to me and said, Tracy, if the goal is reunification and there really are no Christ-centered services for these families, what is Lifeline doing about that? Well, that just put fuel in my jet, so to speak. <laughs> so I started praying to the Lord, Lord, I really do believe that was an affirmation that you want us to be involved in the lives of these moms and dads. What do you want us to do? Is it a class? Is it a, is it a class that looks like the foster parent training we're already doing with prospective foster parents. So I came Anita back to the office and kind of cornered Herbie and <laughs> was spitting these ideas out to him. And he just sat quietly, you did, and listened. And you were nodding in agreement. And then at the end, you said, I love it, the idea of a class for birth parents, but it has to be the church. And you added, and every mom and dad who comes through the class needs to be matched with a mentor. Okay, now, years after that initial conversation, guys, I have not stopped marveling 
at the foreknowledge of God in that. I, I really want us to just pause and recognize God's sovereignty. Um, because my heart's desire was that we would be able to do it, but now it makes perfect sense why it has to be the church. Christ said that the world will know that we are his disciples by what? The way we love. Mm-hmm. By the way we love one another. So when those moms and dads who, listen, I'm being truthful, they don't know what it is, many of them, to be loved. Right. They feel shame, and it is palpable mm-hmm. when they come to this this parenting class. Um, when they are surrounded by men and women who are marked mm-hmm. by the love of Christ, there is a difference that I cannot articulate. Mm-hmm. And had you or I, Herbie, or anyone at Lifeline facilitated these classes, they would have never been able to see past the agency, the agency. and Big Brother. Wow. So by God's fulfilling scripture and, and putting his church in this role, Big Brother is removed, walls come down, parents feel safe to share their struggles, and the redemptive power of Christ is at work. It's mm-hmm. unlike anything I've ever seen. Mm. And you just can't accomplish that. I mean, God could, but he hasn't accomplished that through an agency. Mm. He, he has chosen to accomplish that through his church. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. That is awesome. Yeah. And we see so many... So many stories of redemption that come through that and testimonies of young women and young men whose lives have been changed. And some of the most intimidating people that come in, you know, large men, you know, angry looking women who've been tattooed and marked (laughs) literally by the scars of this world are people now that have joy and that have life Mm. and you see it exuding out of them. And they're loving on their kids and they're breaking cycles Mm. because we know that so many of these families are coming to families count. When you start to really hear their story, you realize that they never had that mom and they never had that dad. And so, so many, so many people inside of our church and our churches, they may not have had mom and dad either, but they have a father that is a good, good father and that's shown them great love and redeeming them. And they have so much to give to these families because they understand what it means to be redeemed by a good, good father. That's right. And do not miss, God's word tells us the kingdom will never stop advancing. Mm-hmm. Never. Um, how God in redeeming these men and women in the same way that he has redeemed us, mm-hmm. he then raises them up to serve others. Mm-hmm. So we're hearing testimony after testimony now of moms and dads whose lives have been transformed by the power of Christ and his atoning blood who are now turning around and serving in the local church. That's another piece, Herbie, that we never anticipated. And another reason why it had to be the church because they are now serving in the church. And we see that kingdom of God advancing Mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah, and I think so many times even for those of us that have lived lives with stable families and have, have lived, you know, pretty whitewashed, sanitized lives. Yes, we understand the sinfulness of our hearts and the redemption of Christ. But from where these families have come from and they see they've, they've been so broken and then they see the love of God in their lives, I think it's just such a powerful, powerful moment. That they got, I have nothing to do but to give back 
to the Lord. I think that's why if you look through the Bible, the most flawed people are the ones the Lord uses the most because they experience that grace and mercy and it means so much to them because they understand God's grace and God's mercy. And so, Anita, I mean, certainly just, just round us out by what are ways that you would encourage other churches to get engaged because you've seen how it's changed both the congregation at Brook Hills, but also how it's changed the lives of families and children. I honestly don't know of any ministry you can be involved in that so well represents, reflects Mm -hmm. the gospel. Mm -hmm. When you think about we are born into this world as an orphan. And I'm not talking about the one who lost their parent Mm -hmm. while they were being born. I'm talking about we were born an orphan, and only by the grace of God are we adopted through his mm. son, Jesus. And so when we look at ourselves and think about it, we are much like the foster children. We have been battled and scarred mm. and traumatized by our enemy of this earth who tries to tell us that we are not worth anything mm. and just feed us down. And Christ. God, through his power, just reaches in and loves us unconditionally and shows us the way, and he brings us into his family, adopted, permanently sealed, never to be unadopted, never to be broken. And so I think when the church has the opportunity to walk this out through the loving of children in their school systems and in their neighborhoods and down the street, I mean, how can you not want to be a part of that? Mm. And because through working with Lifeline, Alabama Baptist, and through rap ministry type models, you can find so many ways Mm. to be involved. From the youngest, our preschoolers collect diapers. And we have ladies who are in their 60s and 70s, and they're making quilts and afghans for every foster child that comes into Mm. placement through our foster families. And we have everybody in between. Singles are tutoring and they're helping teach boys how to play football and they're teaching girls how to sew and cook and we have families with children who are coming along for play dates and who are helping with picnics and things I mean there is no one in the church that cannot have a touch point in this in this type of ministry so it's not um, it doesn't discriminate against age or you know what you do for a living but also it is such a powerful picture of Christ in the world. And as Tracy has said, when you can impact not just the person right here in front of you, but every other person that's in their life, their GAL, their CASA, their social worker, their attorney, you know, on and on and on, I mean, that's just what a wonderful way to put God on display. And there are plenty of churches here in the Birmingham area who are doing this, and they're doing it in their own way. How we do it at Brook Hills is not necessarily how it should look at First Baptist Trustful or any other church. You get to decide what does this look like in our church based on the number of families we have, the size of our church, what we have access to, what are the skills and, and abilities. And so you can make it such that God can use you in the lives of these children and their families. And as she said, God's going to get all the glory because there's none of this that we can do out of our own mm-hmm. we're incapable of loving that deeply and that unconditionally and to keep going and keep going mm-hmm. and keep going um, and especially in the horrors mm-hmm. of the story sometimes you hear but 
you and I have, we've all been at a conference where we've heard that one person can change the trajectory mm. of a child's life. Mm -hmm. And so it is worth it. Be that one person. Take mm -hmm. that loaf of bread, bring those diapers, come help with a picnic, and just, just love. Just mm. share what God has done in you with someone else and then watch him blow you away with what he does with it. Amen. And I, I just, as we close, I, I just want to make sure too that those that are listening that say, I want this kind of ministry in my church that it doesn't have to be driven by a staff member. No, it does uh, not. And, you know, Anita for a long time was a foster mom and uh, has experienced a lot of different things. And I'd like to say she has a full-time job taking care <laughs> of the pastoral team at Brook Hills. So in a sense, she is doing this as a church member. She right. just happens mm -hmm. to be on staff. Right. And so you don't have to have a staff member that yeah. starts this, but you can start the small within your small group, uh, within uh, the community group that you're a part of. You can start caring in, in remarkable ways. And so I know that you're probably listening to this and you want to get in contact with these ladies either to know how in the world do I start this from Anita or how do we do families count or get engaged uh, from Tracy. And so if you would just email us at info at lifelinechild.org and say, I want to know how to get in touch with either Anita or Tracy, we will do that appropriately. I'm not going to give their contact information out over the internet, but uh, certainly we would be glad to pass that along to you. And so I just thank you ladies for this. And I, I hope and pray that the Spirit of God has been edified and that you have been encouraged as you have heard these ladies speak. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of the child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.